Hello and welcome to Project Between, a podcast about third culture kids and their experiences growing up between many cultures. I'm your host Hannah and today my guest is a French-Palestinian TCK who grew up hopping between continents, traveling from the Middle East to Europe, then to South America, Africa, and finally North America. Uh, We met through uh, my sister, Heron, and it's so nice to meet you in person finally. Welcome to the show, Cassie. Thank you. I'm really, really excited to be here. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Yeah, so we were just saying my sister met you first in Toronto, and (laughs) when I heard about your background, I thought you're the perfect person to have on the show, and luckily you agreed to come on and... I think it's been a few weeks now since I contacted you and I'm so happy to have you on and find out more about your childhood because it it is very very interesting. Yeah it's it's always I mean I've never done anything like this and it's really nice to kind of reflect and think about you know as a third culture kid like what we go through because a lot of the time we're always on the move and so it's always nice to kind of just chat a little bit with someone who, who who's been through it as well so yeah I'm very excited no and and by the sounds of it you're still on the move always yes <laughs> Where, uh, I've been based in Korea for yeah more than 10 years now but yeah it, it's always fascinating to me those people who are still moving in their 20s and into their 30s Because, yeah, I think a part of me wants to do that still, but there's also a part of me that's pretty okay with settling down for a bit. So, yeah, I'll get to that question towards the end. But uh, first, why don't we start with the TCK questionnaire and, yeah, figure out your identity and, you know, all of those wonderful questions that we get asked all the time. (laughs) Sounds good. Let's do it. (laughs) Okay. So the first question is your name and nationality, please. Uh, so my full name is Cassian Destremo, but for a long, long time now, I've just gone by Cassie and I'm French Palestinian. Right. Uh, so yeah, when, when I first uh, heard about you through my sister and she told me your name, I was like, who? Like, <laughs> how do you pronounce that? Heritage. <laughs> <laughs> on your um, description on Instagram, French Palestinian, I was like, okay, so the last name must be French. Yes, yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So your dad is French? Yes. All right. Okay. And um, your name, Cassian, I'd never really heard that name before either. But just out of curiosity, I Googled it. And what I found was that it's Greek in origin and means cinnamon. Did you know this? I did not know that at all. Um, that's that's so interesting. I never, every time I ask my parents, they give me a different answer so I'm not really sure I think they just liked the way it sounded I think they their intended purpose was they started off with like the cassia flower and then they just kind of like added a couple more things but um Greek that's interesting I'll bring that up to them and see what they say (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny yeah I thought maybe you know you're French Palestinian but there was like a Greek grandmother somewhere or that would be pretty cool but no 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 Okay. Well, I love that, that it came from a flower and sort of Mm -hmm. morphed into. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's becoming more of a common name now. I know when I grow and probably we could talk about this later, but I always had, I always struggled with my name because nobody knew how to pronounce it. Nobody else had the same name. Um, But um, it's now I kind of like embrace it and it's, you know, 
obviously part of my identity and um yeah it's nice <laughs> mm. so you mostly go by cassie then never cassian yes only my family and then a few close friends that know me from uh middle school and and before call me by my full name yeah okay all right makes sense um okay the next question is where were you born I was born in Abu Dhabi in the UAE of the United Arab Emirates. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think I asked you for the list of uh, countries that you grew up in. And mm -hmm. yeah, I, I found it interesting that it started with UAE and now you're heading back there. So it's like a... Yeah, it's like full circle kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just so, you know, because I'm French Palestinian, but I wasn't born in either of those places. So whenever I explain to people, it's kind of like, okay, there's all these components that I have to kind of like go through. Um, but oh, I'm very proud of that. <laughs> exactly. As most TCK, TCK kids understand. Um, right. Yeah. Right. Okay, well, um, please tell us in which countries did you grow up? So if you can sort of walk us through each stage of your schooling, that'd be great. Okay, perfect. Um, so I was born in the UAE, right? And then um, my parents and I moved to France for a little bit. Um, I think it, it wasn't very long, six months, maybe a year. Um, and then I did my pre-K in Venezuela in a Spanish school. And then uh, kindergarten in Nigeria for a year. And then grades one and two in Angola. And then third grade through middle of seventh grade in Texas, in Houston, Texas. Um, grades seven and eight in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro. Mm -hmm. uh, nine through 12 in Dubai. Um, and then I went to Washington, D.C. for university. I stayed there for a year afterwards to work. And then I made my way to Toronto and then I moved to Vancouver. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> when, a I, lot. So, yeah. when, when I was making this list, I was like, oh, okay, this is, you know, I, I, you never really think about it like that because you're always moving. But Yeah, that's a long list. And also, uh, you know, a lot of like diplomat kids do like two or three years in one country and then move on. For you, I feel like the the period were shorter. Yeah, it ranges from one year to four, um, which is pretty inconsistent. Mm. Yeah, and I imagine it must have been a bit rough, uh, especially maybe as a teenager. Making oh, yeah, so, so tough, especially from, I would say, ages 11 to 16, when, you know, really those formative years. Um, cause you're like, no, please, like, I don't want to move like not again. So, um, you know, it was hard, but I think looking back now, obviously it was such a really, really amazing that I got to live in all those countries cause I wouldn't have otherwise been able to. So, mm. yeah. So as I was looking at your long list of countries, I was like, the, the, the what's the common denominator. And when you told me that your, your dad worked in oil, mm -hmm. like, Oh, it's like we're countries <laughs> with oil. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Denominator. Exactly. And it's funny too because a lot of the a lot of friends that I met in my life that whose dad also worked in oil, we would go to similar countries, but just at different times. And so we would just miss each other, um, or we would just kind of be right next to each other. And it's just really interesting because I guess all kids. Um, like me 
whose dad was in oil, we were like, oh, you lived in Texas too, you, you know? So um, yeah, it's really, really interesting. Yeah, so by the sounds of it, even though you weren't maybe in this country at the same time, if you attended the same schools, then maybe your friend circles overlap, perhaps? Yes, yes, exactly. Um, you know, I was just in, in Egypt meeting actually two of my childhood friends um, from a long, long time ago. And we were talking about how many um, friends we had in common. You know, my uh, my friend was like, oh, I my friend's boyfriend or my friend's like friend went to the same school as you just a year older. And it was just all these connections that are, uh, you know, are crazy. It's a small world, despite how much we move around. So, yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And um, yeah, I was also curious if you had attended uh, international schools in each of the countries that you live in. But um, as you were describing uh, your childhood, it seems like in some places you attended local schools. Yeah, um, so I know that was one of the questions that you had asked. Um, so I, I, so in Venezuela, I went to a Spanish school, Mi Casita Blanca, that was all Spanish speaking. That I actually spoke Spanish, Spanish fluently at that point in my life. I've forgotten it now. Um, and then in Angola, Nigeria, it was French schools. Um, and then I didn't get to an international school until Texas. Um, so it was... I guess it was an international school. There was a French program and an American program. Most of my classes were in French, but that's where I learned English. So I had an English course. Um, and then in Brazil and in uh, Dubai, that those were both American schools. Um, so yeah, I guess that covers pretty much all of it. Mm. Yeah, so, you know, today we're meeting for the first time. We've obviously exchanged emails, but... I was wondering if you had maybe a French accent or if you, you know, come with an American. I'm pretty American, right? Yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. I even asked my sister, I like sent her a little um, text and she's like, does Cassie have an accent? And she's like, oh, no accent. And yeah, it, it's, I think it's a fairly neutral international school American accent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Someone told me the other day, uh, people can tell if you attended international schools because your American accent doesn't have an accent. Mm. Like a regional that's, accent anyway. Yeah, that's a good point. It's mm-hmm. funny too, because I did go to, uh, I did learn English in Texas and I, I found that I, I did never picked up a Southern accent. I guess you're right. I, I just picked up the standard, you know, English. Um, right. But everybody who doesn't who meets me for the first first time thinks I'm American which I don't know how I feel about that but um I mean it's it's nice too that I don't have an accent that way people don't know where I'm from so I'm able to kind of blend in a little bit better if I if I wish um exactly because if they could tell maybe like other influences in your accent that would be a whole conversation Mm -hmm. though my friends know that there are a couple of words that I pronounce and they're like oh we know you're French just 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 sometimes it slips just a couple of couple of words here and there but well I mean since we're on the topic of languages let me ask you this uh what languages did you speak at home with your parents and with your siblings okay um so for the majority of my life I guess up until I was 17 16 17 only French in the house um with my parents with my siblings my mom would speak to us in, in Arabic here and there um, but we would respond in French. Um, and it wasn't until 
I was much older and really got a grasp for the English language that I began speaking to my family, so my parents and my brothers in English, and um, to the great displeasure of my dad, you know, because my dad always wanted us to speak French. He didn't want us to lose the French language, especially when we were attending these American schools. It was very important to him that we didn't lose it. Um, but for the majority of my life, it was always French at home. Oh, cool. And uh, what, what languages do you speak now? Um, so I, I'm bilingual. I wish I was trilingual, but I'm bilingual. I speak English and French fluently. Um, Arabic, I can read and write, um, but my speaking is still has a long way to go. Um, but I speak English and French pretty, pretty well, I would say. <laughs> and you mentioned you spoke Spanish fluently at some point when you were a kid. Yes. Um, it's same with uh, Portuguese. When I lived in Brazil, I learned Portuguese. And, you know, as soon as I moved away, I, I didn't use it. So I forgot it. Spanish, I feel I can, I can get around with it. You know, I understand. It's also very close, like linguistically to French. Um, right. So it's similar. Um, it's easier to understand. Um, but sadly, no. Uh, since neither of my parents spoke Spanish to me at home, it kind of just as soon as we moved away from Venezuela, it was it was over. <laughs> yeah, no, languages are tricky like that. I wish, you know, your brain would hold on to it a little. I know. Especially like, oh, pick it up so it anymore. Let's just throw it out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Start over. I know, it's too bad. <laughs> uh, but you mentioned your mom spoke Arabic. Uh, can I ask where she's from? Yeah, so my mom is... Palestinian so it's a little bit complicated and the more I, I see her the more I learn about our kind of the origin of her side of the family um, but her um, her mom and dad so my current parents um, lived in Palestine and during the whole conflict they fled to Egypt um, mm -hmm. and then they moved from Egypt to the UAE which is where she was born but she very much still you know all of them very much have that Palestinian identity they have um, uh, like uh, I don't know what they're called, but those like refugee cards, the Egyptian refugee cards that they would give to Palestinian like refugees. So they had that for a long time um, before they all got their own passports, which took a long time as well. Um, but um, yeah, no, my mom is, is Palestinian and the older I got, the more I, I got to learn about her and um, she's very proud of it and I am too. Oh, that's awesome. Ah, so I guess that explains why you were born in the UAE. Is that where your parents met? Yes, that is where they met. Um, my dad was there for an oil trip and my mom was working there. She had just come back from Algeria because she studied in Algeria. Mm -hmm. um, and then they met and they stayed there for a couple of years. You know, I was born there. And then boom, my dad's job was like, you gotta, gotta go somewhere else now. Yeah. <laughs> So each, me and my siblings were all born in different places. I was born in the UAE, my middle brother in Venezuela, and then my littlest brother in Paris. Oh, that's very cool. If your parents were like the Beckhams, you'd each have the city name. <laughs> yes, that <laughs> no, would be Brooklyn, Romeo, and <laughs> your name could have been Abu Dhabi. <laughs> it could have, it could have. It was actually going to be Jean-Francois if it wasn't, if I wasn't a, a girl, which girl? I just found out not too long ago, which I am glad it's not Jean-Francois, but you know, that's, that's a different topic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's so funny. Um, well, we digressed a bit, but um, if I go back to the language question, can I ask uh, what languages do you dream in and swear in? 
Um, I guess I guess I dream for the most part in English. I suppose it matters more on who's in my dream. So if it's say it's my dad, then it'll be in French. You know, if it's my mom, it might be Arabic. But for the most part, I would say it's it's in English. Um, swearing, I swear in all three languages. I think I was listening to one of the episodes where um, uh, somebody was saying that it's just so much easier to pick up the bad words in any language. Um, so mostly English, but then also French and Arabic. Yeah, no, and especially if you're a new kid in a new country at a new school, yes. of course you're going to learn the bad words first. <laughs> right, it's, it's, it's central. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, those are the questions about uh, your language. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, what percentage of your identity would you attribute to each of the places you've lived? Mm. This, this one was tough. Um, I yeah to kind of put a numerical value on, on identity like that. I've never quite thought about it that way, but um, let's see. I had to write down the math just to make sure I wasn't off. So I would say I'm 45% French, 30% Arab or Palestinian, 20% American, and then 5% Brazilian. Ooh, so Brazil made the, made the cut. I did make the cut. Um, again, I think just it, it was, I lived there for less than two years, but the, it, it was very formative for me. It was very kind of, kind of really shaped my personality, my identity, my view on the world uh, differently uh, because it was the first time I had attended um, an American school. And so I could only speak English. And just also the Brazil, paired with the Brazilian culture, kind of side to side, it was had a huge impact on me. So I had to kind of throw it in there for sure. Oh, that, that's that's really cool. Yeah, like you said, I think it really depends on when you were in that country because mm -hmm. you're living there between like age one and ten, say. It's very different from living there when you're like sixteen, seventeen. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, well, that's really cool. Um, I expected the French-Palestinian um, sides of you to be in there quite um, heavily, but um, I did not expect uh, Brazil <laughs> in there. <laughs> yeah, me neither, honestly, until I was like, oh, it needs some credit, for sure. Yeah, yeah. no, the, this question throws people off, um, but um, a few weeks ago, I interviewed another guest, and she talked about it in terms of her body parts so she said oh my heart is this country and my oh. head is this country I love that oh that's the anthropologist in me is like this is great this, that, <laughs> that's a really good yeah I like that a lot no, yeah cool. so yeah as an exercise I thought about my own identity in terms of body parts and okay. yeah I think it's good to think about because um if you're especially if you're not a numbers person for sure. No, yeah. I'll have to think about that more. That's, yeah. I like I'll that a lot. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, let's move on to one of my favorite questions, which is uh, one about food. What is your go-to comfort food? Oh, this, this was probably the question I wrestled with most because I, I, I love food and all the places that I've been to had such distinct cuisines. Mm -hmm. um, but I was able to narrow it down to two dishes. So a French one and an Arab one. Yeah. Um, so machbous is the name of the, the Arab dish. And it's something that my grandmother makes 
Um, so it's originally Bahraini slash Qatari, but the countries around it kind of had their own adaptations. So Oman and the UAE have their own versions. So it's basically just chicken and rice, obviously with Arab spices, and you can make it with fish or with lamb. But my grandmother, oh my God, she makes it. It's, it's, it's incredible. Um, I was reading something and someone described it as a cross between biryani and risotto, which Ooh. is very, very interesting. Um, I guess it's... It. Sorry? Is that accurate? Cross between biryani and risotto? I feel like it, it is in a way, but also you have to just try it to see. Um, it's, it has its own kind of spices, but I guess texture wise, yeah, it would be a good, that's a good kind of accurate cross, um, crossover. Um, but no, it's, it's really good. And it's, it's, uh, it's just really also interesting to me how much Arab food is distinct, but also very similar, like across the board, most of the places will have similar foods, but each, each, you know, place will make it their own, um, as with any country, I, I suppose. Mm. Um, and then the second dish is a French dish called cassoulet. So it's from the southern, south of France, which is where my, my, my family's from. Um, and it's, uh, it's kind of a, it's a really homey, hearty winter dish. So it's basically uh, white beans with um, duck confit and sausage. And it's kind of all, you know, like slow cooked together. And then it's put in like big cans and you just kind of store it away and you take it out for the winter. And um, whenever I go back to France, my family and I always, always eat one, even if it's like 35 degrees out, we'll just have some cassoulet and it's, it's, it's really nice. Um, yeah, so I guess those would be my two comfort foods, but it's also ironic, be not ironic, but I guess that I never get to eat those foods outside of the pl places when I'm there. Like I can't eat those dishes just here. I have to to be like it has to be made for my grandma or it has to be when I'm in France in my house you know what I mean so it's comforting in the sense that I only get them maybe once a year once every two years mm. man yeah those dishes sound amazing like slow cooking duck confit and the was it sausages like how could yes. you come with that <laughs> I know right okay thank you. it's it's I hope you get to try it one day because it's it's really nice um Hi. each each product from the south like Southern cuisine is, is always just really, really good because they just take take all the flavor out as much as they can and you really taste it, so. Oh man, it's, it's lunchtime here. And <laughs> yes, that's right. I'm trying to think, are there any French restaurants around here? Or <laughs> <laughs> I uh, wish. Yeah, but you're gonna have to send me the name of the Arabic dish. Um, I will, I will, because I, I looked it up the other day because I was curious to a little bit about um, where it came from. Um, I, I'll do That's that. Amazing. Oh, okay. Um, all right. Let me ask you the next question, uh, which is name a place that informed your taste in the arts. So yeah, music, art, books, films. Oh, this one is hard because it, I feel like it's always a fusion of the places. So I kind of broke it down by category, um, if that's okay. Um, so for example, for music, um, huge French and Middle Eastern influences, like a lot of my taste in music came from my mom and dad. My dad playing a lot of French music around the house and my mom playing a lot of Arabic music around the house, which 
as I moved around a lot, those were the only kind of two things tying me to those countries. Um, so listening to French music, you know, I was like, okay, I, I know what's going on. Same with Arabic music. Um, and then uh, with, I guess, book and film wise, same thing, except just France and the US. As soon as I learned English, um, the US became really important in shaping like, you know, I, I could watch movies in English. I could read books in English. It was kind of opening a whole new door for like a little French girl who didn't really know anything beyond the, like the French experience. Um, and then art, art is always really hard because you pick up little pieces of art every place you go. Um, so I couldn't pick one place, but I mean, France, Brazil, Nigeria, Angola, all those places had a really important um, effect on just the way that I perceive and view and appreciate art. Yeah, I mean, come on, that list. And <laughs> I yeah, I've never met anyone um, with a French Arabic background uh, and, and someone who traveled so much. Mm -hmm. and yeah I, I can imagine it's kind of hard for you to pinpoint yes this is the place that informed my taste because it's like you know a hodgepodge of all these different influences yeah yeah, yeah it's really hard a lot of the kids who I met who were a little bit similar to me were the the Lebanese like Lebanese people because they speak French English mm -hmm. and Arabic but um a lot of them stay you know in the Middle East so I guess I, I did travel a lot for, for someone who, um, I don't know, who, who, whose parents were from that origin, I suppose. Yeah, mm. wow. yeah I'm, I'm curious now um, what kind of music you listen to. Are these bands? <laughs> Are these like vocalists? Is it like percussive music? Um, it's a little bit of everything, I guess, with my dad. French music is kind of older school French music, like very classic, a lot of instrumentals, um, but a lot of just like lesser known French artists that I would have never discovered or known about if it wasn't for him. And with my mom, it's, it's um, kind of the same, like very classical Arabic music, a lot of like um, instruments. And that actually led me to take a, a course in college um, just on Arabic music. And I learned a lot about the importance of the instruments you know there's like a particular feeling that gets evoked when you play the music so well live which I'd never thought about um but yeah it's it all all blended together to influence my taste in music which is why it's so important to kind of my identity the next question which I imagine might be a little difficult for you is um out of all the places you've lived pick a favorite city um, I thought this question would be harder than it the, would be harder th than it actually was because um, looking back, it's just it's it's Rio de Janeiro, like without a doubt. That's the the, the coolest, most interesting city that I've that I've ever lived in. I think again, maybe it was the time in my life, but just what I did, how much how I got so exposed to food. Um, you know, there was the ocean and the mountains, so I got to do a lot of climbing and hiking. A lot of our friends, um, or my parents' friends, visited, and so we were able to do so many wonderful things. And there's just something about Rio de Janeiro, like, I think everybody has to visit it, 
once in their life. It's really special. I think just Brazilian people are so welcoming. They're so kind. They're so generous in a way that other cities, you know, may not be. I, I guess it's maybe just like their way of life. But from a, you know, as soon as I got there, I was like, oh, this is, this is definitely a special place. Um, so it was, it was kind of an easy pick. Mm. Is Rio de Janeiro one of those cities that you'd like to maybe move back to, to then for an extended period of time? That's a good question. I don't know. Maybe. I would never say never. Um, I would just have to learn Portuguese again, um, which I'm sure I could do. Um, mm. But I could reconnect with some friends there. So yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so uh, as I was scrolling through your Instagram posts, I noticed you're, you know, a fairly active person, and I was, you know, wondering, you know, where that came from, and by the sounds of it, it could have come from your time in Brazil, like the mountains, the ocean, um, I imagine there are lots of activities and sports and things to get involved in. I also tried to make a connection between the countries that you've lived in and your kendama pursuit because um I heard that there's a huge Japanese community living in Brazil and so maybe I thought that's where you first uh came to like it I don't know where where did all of these things come from um so the kendama I actually didn't know that about being there being a big Japanese community in 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 Rio um, the kendama didn't come until way later in my life. Um, I didn't, yeah, so uh, I started playing kendama two years ago. So I was like, so I was 23. And at that point, I, you know, was in North America. It was very, it was kind of random um, that I came across it. But um, it's a really fun hobby that I guess I used as a way to replace the fact that I couldn't uh, do any sports at that time because of COVID. And it was hard for me to find activities that I liked um, in DC. Um, but the one thing that I've had throughout my life, um, that was always there and that my dad always got me into was sports. Um, you know, I played tennis, I rock climbed, I ran, um, I played football and that was something that he, he, piano as well. He got me from a very young age that I did in every country. Like from, I remember being eight years old in Angola, went to a music store he's like pick one out I picked a piano and I still have that same piano at my mom's house in Dubai um yeah and uh sports again it's always something that you know despite moving around everywhere you could always find a sport every city that you go to um and so um in Texas it was you know I played football and um I did like a lot of um climbing Rio, it was a lot of climbing and hiking and football as well, because Brazilians are huge football fans. Right. And then Dubai, uh, track, running, all of that stuff. Um, so sports is just kind of a constant in my life. And I have actually another friend who she's lived in like eight countries. And same with her. She says that, you know, football has always been her constant in her life. So it's interesting to see what all of us uh, kind of, find to be the one thread you know amongst everything so being so unstable in our lives mm. um that was sports for me and to this day you know I, I still climb 
Um, I still run. Um, it helps me just stay connected to myself and to like the people around me. Yeah, and, and I've heard um, getting involved in sports is a great way to meet people in a new city. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. As for the, the kendama, so to be perfectly honest, when I think my sister told me that you were quite into it, I didn't know <laughs> what it was. I was like, kendama. So she's like, Google it. So I did. And <laughs> she's like, just think of it this way. Ken as in the sword and tama as in the, the egg. So it's like a yeah. ball and stick game, I guess. And yeah. I've seen some of your videos and it, it looks really hard. <laughs> it is really hard um and it's funny because I'm not even I'm not even that good you know I'm, I'm going to a competition in September the North American Kendama Open and I'm competing and um I'm you know I'm I'm, I'm okay I'm decently good for 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 someone who picked up this hobby two years ago um but man you should see some of the stuff other people do I'll take some videos and I'll send them to you um especially um during competitions we have like a category called freestyle people just there's 45 seconds and you do whatever and even if you miss you have to keep going um but it's also really fun because kendama it, it's such a it's such a conversation starter it's so easy you know i'll be outside in the park playing and i've had people everyone come up to me or they like kind of like stand they're a little standoffish but they're you know they're looking they're yeah. like, what is she doing what's going Boy. on yeah yeah and so it's it's really um it's a really great way to meet people. It's a really great way to challenge yourself. Um, most of the time, you know, I'll be like, hey, come on, try it. And then they're like, oh, this is really hard. This is really fun. Like, um, so I try to gift kendamas to people as much as I can because uh, it's a really good kind of mental and physical challenge. Um, yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, I, I had no idea that there were competitions that were held. Mm -hmm. that we're trying to make it a... a Olympic sport they're trying to get it into the Olympics oh, really? oh wow yeah yeah mm, it's awesome. actually originally comes from a French uh toy um so kendama is the Japanese version mm. and then originally called bilboke which is yeah. just the stick part in the ball yeah um so it's just funny that you know it's uh originally French um yeah how perfect <laughs> exactly it's, it was it's fate <laughs> to be <laughs> yeah, yeah no when I googled kendama I think it was like a wikipedia page it did mention that you know it was french in origin there you go transferred yeah. over yeah but um yeah it, it's I think you you travel and you see different countries and like children's games or like games that even adults play um I think yeah maybe it's because we sort of borrow but the games that we play are very similar they are. I mean, it's kind of the idea that uh, not many ideas are original in the sense right. that everything's kind of just, yeah, a variation of, of that same thing. And it's the same thing with that. You know, I've met a lot of people from um, like Mexico who are like, hey, we have, a, we have a toy like that. My friend who's Peruvian, she's like, hey, I went to Peru and they have a version too. You know, it's, it's so uh, it's, it is very interesting how it's very similar. Yeah, it's just the same game, but with different names and slightly different rules. Right, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, let me move on to the questions about um, being a third culture kid. Okay. Uh, I'm curious, when did you first hear the term TCK and realize you were one? 
Um, you know, I had to really think about this question because I don't think that I heard the word third culture kid until I got to Brazil and then even more when I got to Dubai. However, throughout my life um, in France, I guess as the same as like in with English speakers, um, the term expat is what like we used. And right. I knew when I was a kid that I was an expat, but it never truly hit me until I moved to Brazil because that's when I really felt like a third culture kid because I was I was different. You know, I was thrown in an environment where um, I could only speak English, whereas in Texas, it was an international school. So if I got tired of speaking English or if it was just too much, I could just go back to French, to talking in French with my friends. And for some reason, my parents didn't put us in the Lycée Français in Brazil. So... I, you know, here I was in an American school and um, I heard the word third culture kid and I was like, oh, that's, that's me. That's what's happening right now. Um, and so it was, yeah. And then in Dubai, I was like, okay, now I know exactly what this is. I've met so many other people who are like me who just move around every couple of years. So um, it took me a while to kind of get there. Mm -hmm. So this was in your teenage years then? Yes. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Yeah, I I realized I was a TCK um, when I was like nineteen twenty. Mm. Okay. It was like an aha moment. I think. Yes. Yeah. For a lot of us, it is. Mm -hmm. so, oh, that's what I am. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> There's a word for it. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder I was so lost. <laughs> right, and still kind of am, but it's yeah. Yeah. You work through it, I guess. <laughs> um okay uh what's the hardest thing about being a third culture kid for you um I think so there's a couple of things that are there are a couple of sorry I'm just thinking because there's a couple of things that are quite difficult to about being a third culture kid I guess the hardest thing is leaving friendships behind and starting over um especially when you're really young you know, I always say it takes at least two or three years to really assimilate or really kind of get comfortable in a place. And so for me, that was really hard to, um, you know, as soon as I got comfortable, my dad was like, okay, sorry, we have to move. Um, so that was a little tough. Um, and then in the same vein, I guess the hard part is having to assimilate into a place makes it difficult to figure out who you are. Um, and so I feel like it is much more, you know, um, you're, you're taking a little bit of a longer way to get there, I suppose. Um, but now I look back um, and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is great. I can integrate into anything, you know, just throw me into any situation, any context, um, and I can adapt. But when you're a kid, it's hard to kind of understand that and, um, you know, make, make yourself comfortable. Yeah. No, I think about this all the time. If only I could go back to my teenage self or my college self with what I know now, I'd have such a great time. <laughs> right, right. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, because wow. back then, you know, you're insecure probably um, and you feel out of place and you, you know, want to complain about why you're moving all the time. But now that I know all of that is good for me, 
<laughs> yeah, like, if I went back now, I'd have so many friends. I'd be so popular. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hindsight is twenty twenty in that sense, for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it, it took so many years for me to get to where I am. So it's cheating a bit. But um, yeah, <laughs> I think, you know, when people ask you the question, like, would you go rather go to the future or go to your past? I think as a TCK, maybe I choose like going back mm, a decade or really? so. Yeah. yeah. For those reasons that you just, you feel like. You yeah. Could, yeah. Yeah. Just That's to really see, interesting. Just to see how yeah. things play out differently. Or maybe they they won't. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, things will play out exactly the same way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, uh, on the flip side, what's something you love about being a third culture kid? Um, two things. Um, first is the friends I have all over the, all over the world. Um, I'm so blessed, you know, it, as hard as it is to move um, from one place to the other, you I guess you, you don't realize how many friends you make along the way until you're a little bit older. Um, like, you know, I was in Egypt last week and I met up with two of my friends. One of them I hadn't seen in 15 years, the other in eight years. Mm -hmm. And both of them are Egyptian and they have Egyptian passports. And so we literally could not have met anywhere else except for in Egypt. Mm -hmm. um, so having friends all over the world is something that as I travel, I'm more and more grateful for. Um, and then the second thing is just the opportunity to live in different places. And I guess the open-mindedness that comes with it. Um, it's something that I'm realizing now as an adult is like, not a lot of people, either they don't want to travel or they can't travel and, you know, haven't been able to be exposed to all these different cultures and, and things like that has opened my mind a lot. And I'm very tolerant. I'm very flexible. Um, and I just love to talk to people and I'm not scared of, of I guess, of differences at all um, for that reason. Yeah, that's great. Um, okay, the, the final question in the TCK questionnaire is, where is home for you? This, this is definitely a question I guess most, most, of, us, most of us TCK kids get. Um, it's always such a hard one to answer because uh, I guess home, so again, it, I guess for me, my answer has two parts. So home for me can be wherever my parents are. So if my, mo my mom right now is living in Dubai. So when I go back to Dubai, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going home um, or wherever my dad is. Um, but then if I were to kind of give you a more concrete answer, then I have to choose France, or at least the house in France that I kept going back to, again, because it was one of the few constants in my life. But paradoxically, you know, I call it my home, but I do feel like a stranger when I go back most of the time. So mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting that it's, it's a comfort for me, yet I know that it's almost not where I belong because I've never lived there. You know, because I don't have friends, many friends there, because I've never been super in touch with the culture there. Um, right. But it is, it is my home. Yeah, I, th I think for many of us, the the concept of home keeps changing. Mm -hmm. The older you get, and maybe the longer you stay in a place, can affect how you feel about where your home is. But I think, yeah, as you mentioned, you can also have like a nostalgic home. 
for me, I think that's uh, Johannesburg. I haven't been back in many, many years, but when I think back on my childhood and the, the house that we lived in, it's only filled with the fondest memories. Yeah. Uh, and I think, same for me, if I were to go back now, I would feel a bit like a stranger mm -hmm. there. But yeah, I think I would love it all the same just because of all the memories that it stores for me. Right. Yeah, I remember you talking about that on your kind of oh yeah answering questions um yeah that's that's really interesting because it's also right like you said nostalgia like the brain is like putting all these great memories in like a little bubble and you know you just think about it in a good way but then if you were to go back it would probably be you know the strangest feeling um so I can definitely relate to that for sure yeah um well we've reached the end of the TCK questionnaire and can I just say I've yeah learned so much about you along the way and <laughs> yeah it, it sounds like you had an amazing childhood and I did I did wonder though uh what brought you to Canada after your uh day in was it, was it Washington yes um I think I wanted to stay in North America um I think just living in DC and having the I after living in a pretty conservative country the UAE is, is you know rather conservative I didn't want to go back there and I didn't want to go back to France because I I didn't feel like I would fit in very well after my four years of education in the U.S. so I wanted to stay in North America and the easiest uh, place for me um, was Canada and you know they accept I have a French passport so it was quite easy for me to apply and to move there um, and uh, Toronto you know, I didn't have that many choices. It was either Vancouver, Calgary, or Toronto, um, or I guess Montreal. Mm. Um, but Toronto just kind of spoke to me, you know, the most. And um, I had actually had a lot of Kendama friends living in Toronto um, oh, I before I moved there. So it was kind of like, oh, if I move there, I'll have some friends. Whereas the other cities, I wouldn't really have had any friends. Um, so I wanted to stay in North America for a little bit until I figured out um, if I wanted to leave or not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I see. Um, can I just say though, I do prefer Montreal over Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? What can I? Um, well, I mean, I think for me, Mon uh, Toronto, um, it's a it's a bigger city, but for me, felt a little gray. Whereas Montreal is smaller, but it it feels to me more to be more artistic mm. and. Um, I, I love that about Montreal and it felt more European, I guess, whereas, mm, okay. um, I mean, this is probably going to be controversial, but for me, Toronto feels a bit like, um, like a fake New York. In well, that's what people said to me. They were like, oh, Toronto is the New York of Canada. And I guess yeah. I was very curious about that. So you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. It's and yeah, I heard that too. And when I got there, I was like, this is not New York. <laughs> This is Toronto. <laughs> yeah. It's very different. I don't know. What it's very about, different. But, no, it's, uh, uh, that's, that's interesting. I have not spent enough time to, in Montreal to give, you know, an opinion like that, but that's, Heron told me that she did like Montreal and that it was smaller. Um, so maybe I'll have to go back and visit, but I guess the one thing that I just struggle with Montreal is the Quebecois French. Um, I, 
I, I don't know what it is about it. I just can't, I cannot understand it very well. And I worked at a job where a lot of my clients were uh, Quebecois and it took me like a couple of months to kind of adjust to the accent. And maybe it's a little bit of my like, you know, elite Frenchness, but it's, it's very, very different uh, than, you know, the French that I know. Um, but I'll definitely have to go back to visit Montreal, um, you know, based off of what you just said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, for most of the months, it's just packed in snow. But mm. when I visited, uh, I think it was like early summer or, or late summer, uh, it was beautiful. And um, yeah, I haven't been to the, the music festivals that happen there, but I'd love to go back at some point. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I guess before you move to Dubai, perhaps a trip to Montreal. Perhaps. <laughs> uh, yeah, which reminds me. So you're, you said you're moving to Dubai in the fall. Mm-hmm. And I, I wondered, like, what spurred that decision after your stay in Canada? Well, I guess Dubai, I wanted to move there as more of a transition place for me um, since my Canadian visa is expiring soon. Oh, um, that's why I have to leave. Um, and I didn't want to extend it for a number of reasons. The main reason being the weather. I love Canada, but I, I love the sun more. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've lived in warm places all of my life and it's yeah. just, it's been really tough um, to, to live in such a cold place for most of the time, you know, especially Toronto, man, it's so windy. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I am moving back to Dubai again because my mom is there. Um, but I think I'm using it more as a kind of transient space for me to move on to the next place. Um, again, I am French, so I can only stay in Dubai for so much, so long. I think it's 90 days unless I leave and come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm getting a visa. It's always such a tough process. Um, you know, that's one of the things I probably should have mentioned that I don't like about being a third culture kid is um, just visas um i don't like them it's it's not very fun especially after university because you need more of a reason when you're not a student you know they want to know what you're doing Mm -hmm. um so um yeah i guess it's just uh, i'm gonna go rest figure out if i want to go back to france if i want to go to a different country in europe if i want to go to another place altogether um like southeast asia i've always wanted to go to southeast asia so I'm not sure. Um, I'll figure it out when I get there, I guess. That sounds really exciting. <laughs> and can yes. I just say about, about the visa situation? I always thought that people who lived in maybe like more than five countries should just get given global passports. Yes, oh, that is a great idea. You know, they sh- maybe we should start a petition because <laughs> I know so many kids who, you know, are, are like have lived in so many countries and they just don't have a great passport. I have, you know, I'm very fortunate that I have a French passport. I can go almost anywhere that I want, but um, like I was talking with my Egyptian friend and she was saying all the countries she can go to with an Egyptian passport. And it was really just such a short list, but she's lived in over eight countries. So it just kind of was blowing my mind that that's what would happen. So I agree, you know, we should get global, global passports. Yeah, I mean, if not granting us full access, maybe even just the countries that you lived in. Right, yeah, to go back and yeah. um, 
Yeah. I don't know who will agree to this and who we have to send this to. <laughs> Everyone, <laughs> all the governments will get a letter from us. Yeah. So often um, me and my TTK friends talk about, yeah, the global passport. And also maybe we just like need an island of our own that we can populate. <laughs> that would be great. I mean, there's plenty of islands we can work with at this point. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah. Oh, man. So... Yeah, I, I guess the final question is um, because I haven't really uprooted as an adult. I always dream about it and fantasize about um, leaving Korea at some point, but I haven't yet. But for you, it sounds like, you know, Dubai will be a place of transition. You don't know where you'll be headed to next. What What is that like as an adult compared to when you were a, a kid? Mm. That's a good, that's a really good question. I think the difference is just choice. You know, I, I don't have to do it, but I want to. Um, and I always talk about this with my family because, you know, I always tell my dad, oh, you made me, you made me this way. Um, you know, you, you kind of created a monster in that sense of like now. Yeah, exactly. Like now I, I can't sit still. I can't stay in a place for more than maybe like a year or two. Um, because I, I want to explore the world and I want to see what else is out there. Um, but as an adult, it's definitely a little bit more tricky because, you know, you, you accumulate a lot of things and, you know, the visa situation and you kind of have to think ahead a little bit more. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a choice. You're no longer being dragged by your dad telling you, hey, we're moving again. So um, it feels good, though, to have a little bit more control over that aspect of my life I suppose but a lot of my friends are like Cassie how you know how how do you do that like you know I want to stay in one place I want to settle somewhere and be comfortable and I guess I've gotten so used to being uncomfortable my entire life that that is just normal for me mm -hmm. and as soon as I am comfortable it's kind of like okay what's going on um so yeah, I'm just trying to find that balance, but also want to take advantage of, you know, traveling while I'm young. Um, but it is a very different feeling as an adult, especially when you make friends and then you leave them and then you're like, oh, did I make the right choice? You know, is this what I needed to do? But you have to live with it and it's going to be okay. With social media now, you know, you can stay in touch with anyone. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, the only difference is now you, you can't really blame your dad anymore right now it's on me <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. I, I wish you the the best of luck on your on your journey and the next phase and yeah I, I think moving to uh, Dubai where your mom is is probably a great start because um, moms are wonderful and yeah she will guide you and as, as you will guide yourself so yes yeah that's true thank you appreciate it yeah well um yeah that, that's all that I have prepared today it's been wonderful um chatting with you and I, I say this to all my guests whether they be you know old friends that I'm connecting with or you know new acquaintances talking about TCK issues it makes me feel like all of us have been friends for a very long time mm -hmm. it's so yeah. easy yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's been, yeah, really great chatting with you today. And thanks so much for sharing your story with me and with our listeners as well.
No, thank you. You've made me feel super comfortable. It's been a, like a pleasure and an honor to talk to you, to be on the show. Um, and yeah, I hope we get to pro you know, possibly meet one day if I visit Korea, if you're still there. <laughs> and I will be following you on Instagram in the meantime. I'm very curious where your road will take you next. Me too. Me too. You'll find out when I find out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in. And we will see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs>